the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. I've got an interesting show for you today. I feel some of the weight, the gravitas, as Kiefer Southern would once say. What's your favorite word? And you always expect it's a four-letter word or something like that. With James Lipton. What's your favorite word? Kiefer Southern. Gravitas. You're like, that's a little obnoxious. But I've got a show filled with gravitas today. I feel that the stress is leaving. And we're now looking at stocks a little bit more like stocks and stock market as a stock market and not who's going to win the election. Um, still, it's up in the air. I believe that with all my heart that there could be some really crazy bat poop twists and turns in the next two weeks. Wouldn't it be a surprise? And Wall Street might be and Wall Street might overreact. But it appears that this formula that's come out of the political season, the mathematics really starts to line up well for Wall Street in the sense that the Senate stayed Republican. The House picked up more Republicans, it looks like. Not enough to be a majority. But it goes back to those Bill Clinton times. We had a Democrat president who really was pretty adept. Bill Clinton was pretty adept at working with Congress. He didn't say no. He met them three quarters of the way, one quarter of the way. doesn't matter. And it's looking like that may happen again with Biden versus a Congress that's not terribly, terribly Democrat or terribly, terribly Republican. The Senate will be Republican controlled, but they're losing numbers, whereas the House of Representatives are gaining Republicans. So I kind of see Bill, Bill Clinton part two. If you were to say Democrat president with a Congress that he's going to have to work with. The Biden administration divided Congress's nirvana for growth. Nirvana, Jim Cramer said yesterday on CNBC. And I don't think he's wrong. I don't think we need to fret about politics right now. I think we could start focusing on business. I think Apple, Amazon, Google, Facebook, Twitter all got a little bit of a reprieve by the election results. We were going into the election thinking blue wave and the pollsters got it wrong. The pollsters underestimated Donald Trump's ability to deliver voters. I don't want to get any further into it other than to say they got it wrong. I want to stay on the side of the fence that says Apple, Amazon, Google, Facebook, Twitter, all got a reprieve. <clears throat> Wealthy people got a reprieve. We're probably not going to mess with the estate uh, plan tax this year. Where if it was a blue wave, we might have. 
and then there would have been decisions to make. Right now, it's more of a status quo type of Wall Street business response than it is a – it would have been nice as a man who has children to see a blue sweep so that we could get an infrastructure plan that focuses on renewables. But that's just me being greedy. That's just me being lazy. That's just me being like, I want a better planet for my children. Why not use more solar energy? You know, kind of thing. It's free. It's the sun. It's we got it. We got that one covered. Um, but that's what Wall Street's feeling right now, in my opinion. It's almost euphoric. The S P five hundred's up two percent again. The Dow's up one point seven percent. The Nasdaq up two point seven percent. The Russell's higher today. Interestingly, gold and silver higher, oil a little bit weaker, telling you, is this a mirage? Because oil, if the if stock market's rocking, maybe it's just recovering. But when the stock market and oil recover or move higher, maybe it's it's telling you there's growth. Interesting. Bitcoin's at 14877 Every now and then I look at the numbers and I go, I didn't think that was going to happen. Um, I'm looking at Apple, Google, Activision, Tesla, Facebook, Visa, MasterCard, Hasbro, Boeing, Casper Sleep Mattresses, Sleep Number, Fidelity Founders Funds, all of the last couple questions we've had on the show, all moving higher. Oh, Qualcomm. <clears throat> I own shares of Qualcomm. Qualcomm had a great quarter. Um, to the point that, you know how last week I've been kind of saying, companies like Apple aren't hitting new 52-week highs on their earnings. Qualcomm's hitting 52-week highs on their earnings. Uh, Google's doing really well on their earnings. It's it's not a market of haves and have-nots. It's, it's almost a stock picker's market. Uh, we'll talk about Qualcomm as the show goes on. ESPN's going to lay off 300 people. <clears throat> They are struggling, struggling um, with their parks being closed and with people cutting the cord. Um, ESPN became very, very fat. I want to talk a little about later in the show the history of CNN and compare it to the history of ESPN because I think they're pretty similar. Yesterday, we saw Uber and Lyft do very, very well on the news that Proposition 22 past and gig workers are now a thing accepted in California. And if California, probably the most liberal country, uh, state in the country, is that fair to say? Um, that's probably not totally. There's probably like Vermont. We're like, oh, we, we, we're more, more liberal than California. That's my impression of a Vermontese accent. Or is it a Vermontian? A person from Vermontopia. I'm not quite sure. But as Uber and Lyft was able to get through the voters, the idea that we don't have to pay drivers as if they're employees, they're contract employees, so they have to cover their own medical insurance. They have to cover some of their own issues. We don't have to pay the minimum wage. But Uber came out with kind of an interesting, we hear you that we won. We're not gloating. We're actually throwing some of these things that you wanted in their direction. Not to the full level that you want it, but we are acknowledging it. So if that was good for Uber and Lyft yesterday, how about the other players, DoorDash and Instacart? Their IPO suddenly, like, their CEOs yesterday, like, woohoo, it 
pass in California. It'll pass anywhere in the country. Because voters essentially said, we don't really care about taking care of the worker. We care about cheap rides. That's the way I interpret it. Um, so that's out there. Sony's new PlayStation 5 game console won't be sold in stores on November 12th. Telling you they don't got enough of them. Qualcomm stock is rallying. It's beating earnings expectations. ESPN cutting 300 more people. That is a company. Whoa. Let's just say I'm not. I'm happy I'm not there. And they must have a lot of bloat. General Motors. General Motors. Room, 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 room. Let's get ready to rumble. That's my impression of a car. Um, I know you're saying you do impressions of cars <laughs> that talk. Yes. Yes. Transformers was real. But General Motors is doing very, very well after their earnings beat expectations due to a jump in truck sales. Uh, if you take away trucks from GM and Ford, their stocks would be worth spit. A, a, spig, a spit jug. A jug of spit. Jug of spit is my Irish, my Irish heritage coming out. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com on New Focus Financial Life. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. So big winner in this election cycle. Disinformation in a landslide. Early voting... By a clear majority. Those are the two big winners in this election. I don't know if you're Republican or Democrat, but I don't know if you remember early in this presidential cycle, there was a, a, a false video and it went viral of Vice President Joe Biden advocating for sex changes in young children. There's been ballots tra- thrown in the trash, mainstream media, cyber researchers uh, conducting thorough reviews of social media posts. Disinformation is the clear winner in a landslide, followed by early voting. I think early voting is going to be one of those things that we talk about in the future. I think it's going to be one of those things that becomes a thing. I think we'll get as good at it as we can as a nation. Um, but I don't want to go too far into that because it's down a rabbit hole at this point in time. So um, let's take a look at Wall Street and go, whoa. What's happening there? Um, one of the first things I want to take a look at is the 10-year treasury, because to me, that's a, a better read on the pulse of the market on a day-by-day issue, as well as a what's happening long-term. It's one of those little directions, economic indicators, the direction that it moves. It gives a lot of information. I don't know. Maybe if you're a golfer, like you, you look at the green and you're like, oh, it's long or short or uh, grass or it's it's really has been cut in a while or you could see that the wind has been blowing it to the left so that the putt's going to drift left. To me, the 10 year treasury is like seeing a green for the golfer. A good golfer could probably read a lot into it. 10 year treasury sits at 77 basis points. It's getting a little bit more confident. On election night, it lost a lot of confidence in the U.S. economy, probably because the idea of super stimulus went away. Replaced with yesterday, uh, Mitch McConnell from the Senate saying, we want to get this done this year. 
we want to get a stimulus package this year. So that's, I, I think he won his election and he came back to Washington a little bit on the happier side. Um, he now has his agenda in theory. And I'm looking at every stock that we've talked about for the last month is, is in the green. That's telling you this is just a wide, big push higher. Um, the Dow's up 600. The Nasdaq's up 280. The S&P 500 up 82. Those numbers mean nothing. But if I were to say the Nasdaq's up 2.4%, the Dow's up 2.2%, the S&P 500's up 2.4%, the Russell up 1.9%, I think, and I could get a little bit bigger in scope, it's the Wall Street is saying, we're very comfortable with the idea of no higher estate planning taxes. They're, the market's going to have to deal with, in two years, the expiring um, uh, Trump tax cuts. But that's two years from now. So we can start thinking about that later. And the market's going to have to start thinking about COVID and vaccine now. And I think the market's saying, we got this. Thumbs up. Like, we could we can deal with all this. Thanks for not changing the rules too much on us. Uh, although I think the markets would have rallied for, for a different reason if you know, a blue wave came in. I think the markets would have rallied for a different area and different um, sector if, you know, Trump had a, a huge mandate coming out of the election. I think it could have won anyway. But today it's winning and it's winning big. Winning Charlie Sheen. Oh, does anyone else miss that crazy Charlie Sheen? <laughs> the ESPN's laying off 300 people. Um, another round of layoffs. ESPN chairman Jimmy Pitaro announced to staffers that 300 people will be laid off as Disney shifts to more direct-to-consumer streaming. So Disney didn't have Disney Plus this time last year. Uh, no, it came out this time last year. So it's about one year old. And it, it hit at a sweet time. And I think they've seen it like overwhelm them positively. Disney owns ESPN. Disney owns a uh, ABC. Disney owns Pixar. Disney owns Star Wars. Disney owns theme parks, and they can all work together. But Disney and ESPN has turned into like bloatware. I want to say in the early '80s, my father was in the military, so we had cable TV. Cable TV was a great place for cable companies to. Um, test their, the, the technology. Don't forget, in the 70s, we were using rabbit ears on our televisions. We were using antennas on our roof. In the 80s, we started hearing about this, this promise that cable TV was going to be crystal clear reception without the rabbit ears. Um, and because you're going to pay $9 a month, you won't have to watch any commercials, commercial-free television. That was the promise of cable TV. And I lived on a military base, and the cable companies were able to come in and wire a whole military base. They didn't have to worry about buildings. They didn't have to worry about the infrastructure of, like, the rural countryside. Military families got cable TV probably before most of America. But why do I bring that up? Oh, I remember um, Sports Center. I mean, that hit me, like, in 10th grade. And you could watch uh, the highlights in the morning. And they were bad at the first. ESPN, when it first started, it was like truck pulls. It was like rodeos. They didn't get any sports rights. Like, it was awful. But they made a lot of hay out of nothing. 
and then they made a lot of gold out of that hay. Um, and they become a little bit, bit too bloated. So 300 more people, um, 200 positions that are open. They're saying, nope. So Disney stock is rising on that today. I think the lesson I want you to get out of this is labor is the highest cost of business. So if an airline needs to save money, they lay people off or furlough them. Same thing with Disney. Same thing with the company you work at. Your, your boss can justify you if the revenue is growing. Your boss cannot justify you. No revenue growth. All legacy media is going through the same purge of employees. And even companies, the media companies like uh, that are trying to start up, they're just not getting any success. It's a tough business right now, and it's tough business for Disney. And it's tough business for ESPN. You would think ESPN would own the world. Nope. Maybe they overexpanded a bit too much. Anyhow, General Motors is having a positive day. That's good on one hand. And the other hand, I just don't care. But on the hand that does, you want to see steel do well. You want to see cars do well. You want to see 17 million cars sold every year. That keep that's a healthy auto market. Sometimes you go to 17 and a half million cars sold per year, and you're like, eh, that's a little too hot. Sometimes at 16 million, you're like, oh, they're gonna need a bailout. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. That's Rob Black Show or newfocusfinancial.com. It's New Focus Financial. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. So I'm I'm thinking there's a couple stories of the day. One of the things I have to do because I work in television every morning at 9.15 on KRO and Channel 4 Cron is I, I have to get, I have to like find three big stories and they have to be what I want to hit and what I think is important. And I have to explain why my three big stories today are going to be the markets are responding positively post-election. If we could have an, an election every week and the markets were to do this, I, I would say let's do an election every 52, uh, 52 weeks of the year, right? Because this is a good thing. It feels like, woohoo, my 401k is going higher. Uh, you know, 401k, sometimes you have online access. You, you go paperless. You forget a password or the password, they change it every 90 days automatically. They don't tell you. Drives me crazy when companies do that. <laughs> well, that was the case yesterday. So I logged in. And I looked at my 401k. I was like, pleasantly surprised. Um, I haven't, you know, I haven't touched it in six months. I haven't even looked at it in six months. That's how I approach the market. I look to make sure that money's going in because there was a couple years there where my company changed payroll companies and somehow I didn't sign back up for the 401k and I just knew it was going in and it wasn't. How's that for a huge financial mistake? Huge. Because 15 years ago, 10 years ago. Putting money, not putting money in versus what it's worth today. Huge mistake that I lost time. 
So I think the three big stories are the Dow's jumping post-election rally. Even though jobless claims edge lower, they're still well above the pre-pandemic levels. So on one hand, we're, we're seeing the markets respond well, but we're getting economic data that says we're not where we need to be. Why is the stock market at highs? Why is it pushing higher when we still have this, this jobless problem? That's story number one. Story number two is going to be Uber and Lyft are eyeing other states to you know, try to get their ballot out and trying to exempt themselves as, oh, we're a gig company. We're living in a gig economy. We should have different rules for gig employees versus uh, an employee who works at Baskin Robbins or Burger King. So that's the second big story and how I think that's going to help that whole sector of delivery. The whole sector. The visibility just got a lot more attractive for ordering food into your home, ordering uh, a worker to like bring you cough syrup when you're sick. That's all good, in my opinion. It's, 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 I can see the landscape. I can work with it. I can terraform it as an investor. And I think the third big story is ESPN laying off 300 people. Um, some of the things inside of the memo really caught my attention. So anytime a company like ESPN lays off employees, they, they, they send out memos. And last week we talked about Disney is trying to restructure their media business because movies aren't really coming out. They have big questions of like, do we want to focus on the movie theater? Do we want to focus on ABC television? Do we want to focus on making uh, common uh, content for Disney Plus that's exclusive. Uh, the cable industry has seen massive disruption. So Disney's, that, that story started last week. This week, boom, 300 more employees gone. That's pretty significant because it's a company of 6,000 people. And they've already gone through massive cuts. So they're, they're trying to right-size the company. And it's a horrible word for fire people. Right-sizing. But the memo that the CEO sent out said tremendous I'm, I'm, I'm pulling some of the quotes tremendous disruption in how fans consume sports i'll tell you what during the pandemic or during the, the the lockdown i was like i miss sports i'm hungry for sports i didn't know i liked sports so much but not being able to turn on steph curry draining a three from downtown i missed not being able to watch a, a young kid score his first goal in the nhl i missed it Baseball, you know, is, is the most boring sport in the world to me, and I love it because it's boring. I know you're saying, that makes no sense. <laughs> Watching grown men in pajamas, essentially, throw a little ball around for three hours relaxes me, and that's why it's one of my favorite sports to watch. I don't competitively yearn for, I, I was stoked the Giants won three World Series, stoked, because it, it made the community happy. Um, but I'm not like, oh, if the Yankees lose this year, I'm going to you know, wet myself and go to bed angry and tell my wife she's ugly. I'm not that into sports, you know. But we consume sports differently. And, and the pandemic's significant impact on sports clearly accelerated the idea of how we consume sports. The NBA said yesterday that they plan to return by Christmas. ESPN should be hiring people, you think, 
but ESPN's letting people go. Even though we know, you know, basketball kind of came back and finished their playoffs, so it ended deep into the summer. Um, same thing with hockey. So the NBA is the first sports league that I've seen say, this is our start date. I think the NHL is looking for somewhere in 2021. But the NBA could decide on its 2020, 2021 season tomorrow with signs pointing to a return on Christmas Day or before Christmas Day. I don't know if you have hung out with your family on Christmas, stuck in a snowy mountain in the uh, a cabin in the snowy mountains, and you're like, what am I going to do? I've eaten turkey. I'm fat. The kids have presents. I'm fat. Oh, there's eight basketball games back to back to back to back. Sweet. And they always try to get the matchups, like you know, Mr. Angry versus Mr. Happy, the West Coast versus the East Coast, the three-pointer versus the Monster Big Center. They always do a good job of, of creating stories on, on Christmas. So the league is a day away from resolving collective bargaining issues. NBA has long established its brand around Christmas Day games. And that helps the network partners. That helps the uh, TNT. It helps the USA Networks. It helps the ABCs, ESPNs. It helps all the people who pay them a ton of money to broadcast games. Is that on the day when no one's working, when we're stuck at home with a family, that means we can't sneak out and drink beers with our friends. Because <laughs> it's Christmas. You can't do it on Christmas. You can do it any other day, but you can't do it on Christmas. Uh, they really hit a home run. And I think that's a story. It, to me, those are my three stories of the day. And again, I want to throw it out there that ESPN and cable is being disrupted. And yet, here, basketball is coming back. Um, the Prop 20, the Prop 22 is big. Uh, during the pandemic, I got to the point where I was like, I don't like wearing masks. Um, I'd rather stay at home and not wear a mask and go out in public and wear a mask. But I, when in public, I always 100% wear a mask, but I don't like it. It's to me, it's like putting on a rain jacket. I'd rather have a little rain on my chip. <laughs> kind of like it's, it makes no sense. I found Instacart and I paid, you know, I got two free weeks and I was like, whoa, they'll bring me groceries. I don't actually have to go into a store. It was like that moment in the 1980s or 1990s when you, you probably remember the commercial campaign, pay at the pump. You don't actually have to go in and then give a credit card or cash to the guy behind and say, pump three. Can you put $4 on pump three? I wasn't exactly wealthy in the 80s and 90s. So I was filling up with $4. <laughs> You get the idea. But it was the greatest day ever when I didn't have to go in. I was like, I could do this all. I, I'm a lone wolf. Um, I don't like people. I just, I really don't, is what it comes down to. I don't have a lot of friends. I'm surprised any one person in the world loves me. I'm surprised anyone made children with me. Like, I, I don't really like people. Um, anyway, the, the, the story there with the gig workers, that makes me happy. Because I've seen... Uh, DoorDash, Instacart uh, become more important to me. My credit cards that I used to travel with, and I'd go, I'm getting points as I go to Hawaii, and sweet, my next trip to Hawaii might be free. Let's see. You know, it, that traveling is is gone. My credit card rewards now are like, we'll give you free DoorDash. We'll give you a free like delivery options. I like that. Uh, sometimes we're a little lazy in the morning when the kids are, you know, working from home for school. 
and you don't want to do a big breakfast. You used to, like last year at this time, you're like, okay, kids, wake up at seven o'clock. You got to be at school at 8.30. So you get that, that through our process of cooking for me. Now you're like, kids, it's eight o'clock. I've ordered DoorDash. They're bringing bagels here. <laughs> and like, just make sure you're on your computer at 8.15 when school login starts in. School login. Oh, I can't believe I just said that. Isn't like a schoolyard bell that rings or something like that to get to class, hurry up, close your locker. Teacher's going to count you as tardy. Now it's school login. Alibaba continues to grow. There was an interesting thing that happened this week, and I did not pull the trigger on it, but I was thinking about it. Alibaba is a lot like the Amazon of China. And this week, the ant group got kind of smacked around by the premier Xi of China because the CEO or one of the executives inside the company said some not so flattering things about Chinese banks and how they're kind of like flea markets. That's not a thing to say when you're about to come public. Um, and the, the premier of China is like, OK, you're not going public. I'm going to bring you into a room. I'm going to slap you around and tell you never do that again. But Alibaba owns 30% of Ant Group, A-N-T. It doesn't make any sense, but it is what it is. And Ant is a big fintech, and China is in, in, engaged in it, engrossed in it. It's going to be a big IPO. So when Ant got pulled, Alibaba's stock pull, came down. I, I want it to buy. That was my instinct, and I did not. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Consultant worker rise, particular action on the stocks. Everyone's on the show. Take a break. We'll be right back. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. I don't know if it's the stock market going higher or what, but it feels, or the election being over, I don't know which one of the two has caused me to feel a little less tense right now. And again, I don't think the election's over in final counts. I think the election's over as far as election day. I voted ballot boxes. Will there be riots? Will there not be riots? Just the, the stress of the whole reporting on it. It feels like it's lifted a bit. Markets open higher today. It's a big day again. It was a big day yesterday. Um, and I think ultimately the, the market's saying, hey, we have low interest rates and we have a, a divided Congress again. And we don't know about the president, but it's the divided Congress that you know says a lot's not going to get done. I know, could we tell that to the Supreme Court <laughs> as far as a lot not getting done was pretty, uh, divided Congress, right? Doesn't quite work like that, Rob. But the Russell is up 200, uh, 2.3%. The Nasdaq's up 2.4%. The Dow's up 2.19%. The S&P 500's up 77 points. And again, that's following a very positive yesterday. Uh, but let's keep perspective, shall we? It's also following October and September that were miserable on Wall Street. So you got to keep perspective. We made it through election day, and it's like that movie that uh, 
Titanic down or whatever. One of those disaster films from the 70s where a building would catch on fire and become a towering inferno or maybe one of the rock San Andreas movies where California is breaking apart in an earthquake. Um, or the one where the rock is in China and a skyscraper ca- or the one where a plane like crashes into the water and floats to the bottom of the ocean. And yet somehow most people die and yet two or three people end up alive and the end of die hard where the cameras, you know, pan on to the good guy who lived, he made it through, but the building's on fire. The building's burning. That's kind of how we feel right now. We made it through. I, that's the feeling I'm getting. <clears throat> Healthcare and communication stocks were up huge yesterday and today. Tech stocks, big. Financials fell yesterday pretty aggressively. And what's good for the goose is not always good for the gander. So financials don't really like the low interest rate environment. They're going to have to merge and acquire each other to create efficiencies, in my quick opinion. Wendy's reported quarterly earnings before the opening bell yesterday, and the hamburger chain beat on earnings but missed on revenue. Again, in the world of investing through the lens of business, all I care about in fast food is Starbucks and McDonald's. Everyone else can go to HE double toothpicks. Like, I don't need them. I got that's my cat, that's my list. Uh, Cheesecake Factory was a cute investment in the 1990s. Um, you know, First time you ever ran into a Cheesecake Factory, you were probably on a business trip. And you're like, what are we going to do for dinner? What's close to the hotel? And you didn't have a phone to look up like good quality Italian restaurants around the corner. So you were like, let's go to the mall and find something to eat. And you ran into a Cheesecake Factory and you're like, holy macro, the portions are huge. It's $12. (laughs) I could get a chicken piccata that's huge with all this wonderful, delicious bread, 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 bread. Yes. So in, when I see Wendy's, I, I am like, oh, that's cute. They've got a chicken sandwich that's spicy. Oh, that's cute. Like, But I'd never jump over the cliff and say, I want to buy that stock. Again, McDonald's or Starbucks. And I'll, I, at one point in time, I owned Pete's Coffee when they were public traded. Caribou Coffee. I've owned other players. Some of them I did well with. Some of them I did a push. Some of them I did poorly with. But I don't see the point in when you're talking. Let's let's put money to the table. Qualcomm, just a stunning result after hours last night. Um, and the stock's pushing higher. I own shares of Qualcomm. I talked about it probably three years ago on the show. And I'm not gloating. I don't make a lot of mistakes on this show because I don't take a lot of chances. Um, if that makes any sense, it's up 17 bucks today, up 13%, 13% when the market's up 3% tells you they had a really good quarter, right? Um, in the last year, they've gone from 80 bucks a share to 140 bucks a share in the last five years. They basically stayed around 50 to 70, 50 to 70, 50 to 70, 50 to 70. And then about two, three years ago, they were suing Apple. Apple was suing them. Apple saying they're they're abusing their licensing technology, which is the goose looking at the gander or the cup, the pot calling the the kettle black or whatever that phrase is. Um, 
and they were suing each other and Apple wasn't going to pay Qualcomm royalties. They were holding money back. Qualcomm was going to sue them and it got nasty. And then they went to court with each other and they go, I've seen this before. When big tech companies go to court with each other, they tend to settle. Most court cases from what I've heard, and again, don't use this in your own life. Most court cases tend to settle because a lawyer will get to you and say, calm down, man. You don't want to go in front of a judge. Take the plea bargain. A good attorney says, don't go in front of the judge because judges get pissed off when you're in front of them. Judges want to save their court time for important cases. They don't want to hear about you doing a, oh, I had one too many beers and I decided to drive. Make a plea bargain before you get in front of the judge because when the judge hears your story, he's not going to be happy because he wants more important stories than yours. And that's what happened between Qualcomm and Apple. And that's when I, I told everyone to buy it. I said, I'm buying it. There's a story down the road called 5G. And right now the stock is, is being, its growth is being retarded, like a flame retarded, a stock growth retarded by a lawsuit with a very high profile company, Apple. Apple needed Qualcomm and it still does for the next five years. I'll change my story on Qualcomm in about three years. I don't know what the story will be, but that's when I'm, I'm looking to refresh it. You can find me online at robblackshow.com.